Welcome to Metal Recall. My name is Niall Hope and I'm sitting here with my good friend Aaron Koskella. How's it going, dude? It's going great, man. Nice one. So on this show, we review uh, hugely significant albums in our metal listening lives. Um, and this week, it's Aaron's turn. What are you bringing to the table, dude? Junius. And the album is Reports from the Threshold of Death. Very nice. So before we get into it... Um, as usual, big shout out to our boy Stevie Stevie Nuts, aka the Quarter Pounder, for the continued use of his recording equipment. So, Sponsored by Shorman. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the booze is flowing and the microphone is in the toilet roll holster, so we're good to go. But before we get into that, what have you been listening to this week, mate? Um, well, uh, I got this band uh, that I discovered through. Um, Obviously, I'm a big Gojira fan. We talked about that last uh, podcast. And so through Gojira, I discovered a band called Carbomb, which opened up for them on multiple occasions, multiple tours. Uh, through Carbomb, I have recently discovered a band that takes Carbomb to the next level uh, as far as mathematical uh, metal goes. And they're called Frontier... Frontierer? Frontier? Frontierer. It's, it's Frontierer... Frontier with an ER at the end. Okay. So Frontier Er. I'll take your word for it. And it is absolutely the most chaotic math metal that is definitely not an easy listen that's going to tickle your eardrums, fuck with your eardrums, and just turn everything on its head. And you're going to either come back to it because it tickles your eardrums, or you're just going to put it down and say, no thanks, not for me. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I, as of as of today, I started to get into a new release by He Is Legend. Not sure, not sure if you're familiar with the band. Your brother mentioned checking them out. Yeah, they're good. They got a new release out called White Bat. Mm-hmm. Thoroughly recommend giving that a listen. And also been listening to the Disconnect by Heart of a Coward, which is their latest release. Again, never heard heavy, of it. Okay. Heavy, good grooves. Definitely recommend that too. What's the name again? Disc dis what? The Disconnect. The Disconnect. Okay. Heart of a Coward. Awesome. Cool. So, we're here to discuss Junius reports from the threshold of death. Yo. And why have you chosen this one this week? Um, it's a band. Uh, it's a band that I've always. I've just. I. It's a band I've followed from day one. So it's kind of close to me in the sense that I discovered them when they were first starting out. Fell in love with album one, two all the EPs, and as they uh, built Steam as a band, this was the album, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, that uh, was where they re- reached their pinnacle. They they definitely got accused of being becoming a little more, um, what's the word, um, chorus-based mm-hmm. and structure-driven, Yep. whereas previous albums and EPs kind of built, built, crescendoed, breakdowns, and then it just kind of wrapped up. So these, these songs are more catchy they've got structure but it's still the junior sound and they just absolutely nailed it again it's a concept album and it's just an absolute beast so uh it's a winner all around nice so you you mentioned that you were in to the band from day one yeah um, i'm not so familiar with junior so i had to look it up when when you said we wanted to do this album but can you give us a little bit of background into the band and sort of how they're defined yeah absolutely um 
just off the top of the head here, uh, some, some adjectives to, to describe their sound. Definitely got a big sound, wall of sound, some keywords here, space rock. Um, there's some great adjectives and some reviews. Absolutely anchored in heaviness. Heavy is the, uh, the bass lines are heavy as iron ore. Vocals have been compared to the Deftones, mm -hmm. giving it a free-flying quality, adding some brightness to the sound. But just a quick backstory, they are from Boston, Massachusetts, formed in 2003. That's when some of their early stuff started to come out, and I discovered it. The band name Junius is taken from a pseudonym of a political writer mm -hmm. who lived during the 18th century. And... Again, all their, a lot of their stuff is very concept-based, and this comes from the, the lead singer, Joseph Martinez. And if anything, I think, I don't know if the, the first two albums or EPs were based around this guy, but the gentleman that's brought up all the time that he was influenced by is Emmanuel Vilikovsky. And so this, was a, this, is, this is where it gets interesting with the band, is the, the, the conceptual element that lyrically influence, uh, I think, also their sound and, and just what they decide to sing about. But Emanuel Velaskovsky was an independent scholar who wrote a number of books reinterpreting the events of ancient history. Uh, what's interesting about him is he obviously was independent, but he, his books compared mythology and ancient literary sources, including the Old Testament, to argue that Earth suffered catastrophic close contacts with other other planets. Wow. Um, the other thing that's wild about this guy is, uh, if you're into science, he's what I think most modern scientists would call, consider pseudoscience scientists. He's using pseudoscience, and if anything, uh, the Wikipedia page says that most of his theories have been ignored and vigorously rejected by the academic community. But what's interesting to me that I'll add on to this bit is as a social scientist myself and one that loves history, um, although it's pseudoscience based, it's still, it's still based on the history of humans mm -hmm. in, myth in mythology is part of human history. True. Now, whether that's true or not, whether it's absolute truth, empirical truth, etc., I think there's plenty of valid and important things can that can be taken from that. Absolutely. And I think Junius has made it clear that uh, that this guy's a big influence. His books are a big influence lyrically. Um, and I can only imagine that it influences their sound and what they're trying to say, not just lyrically, vocally, but sonically. Mm -hmm. So this, this idea that these guys have this continual concept or storytelling that goes from album to album. Yeah. Is that one of the reasons why you really start to like this band, do you think? You like that kind of Big concept? time, big time, yeah. I think uh, I think a lot of times, uh, if we're gonna talk about artistry in general, is sometimes the artists themselves are more interesting than the art. Sometimes mm -hmm. the concept's more interesting than the actual product uh, or the final piece. And in this case, they're, they're ticking all the boxes. The, the, the name is cool, the background story's cool, what they're into is cool. The concepts to the albums are cool, and the final delivery is just—it's a behemoth. One of the one of the interesting things that I sort of came across. So, 
as I mentioned before, I wasn't familiar with Junius at all until you told me that we were going to review this album. And, you know, we stated last time out that neither of us are really up on genres. Right. But I think when I, when I listened to Junius for the first time, that it, it, felt, it felt like there was so much there that was quite familiar to me, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. I couldn't really define what I thought this band represented. Huh. So I delved into the Wikipedia, like uh-huh. yourself. I got into the genres, and what I found was a list of interesting genres which... I can't even define myself. So you've got art rock, post metal, mm-hmm. indie rock, post rock, space rock, mm-hmm. metal gaze, and one called shoegaze. So I don't know if you're familiar with shoegaze. Absolutely. <laughs> because I wasn't. So I'm just yeah. going to... I went down the rabbit hole on Wikipedia to try and find this out. Yeah. So shoegazing is a subgenre of indie and alternative rock that emerged in the United Kingdom in the late 1980s. Oh, it's from where you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is characterized by its ethereal-sounding mixture of obscured vocals, guitar distortion and effects, feedback, and overwhelming volume. I think that's fairly, wall of, wall of fairly accurate. Shoegaze yeah. is definitely related to the wall of sound. And the, the term refers to these musicians um, that perform this type of music often on stage appearing disconnected, gazing down at their shoes. And what the article mentions is that this is probably a byproduct of having so many different effects pedals. Yeah, on the... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what I, what I took from that was that this band are quite hard to define, or there's a number of different ways that they could be defined. And I think it's interesting that you brought up the the Deftones comparison because that's definitely something that when I listened to the band I thought that was something that came to mind to me mm-hmm. definitely in the vocal stylings the yeah it's always and melodies his vocals yep I also got a touch of Fear Factory um, at least the really just in the vocals in the vocals on some of the choruses ah, yeah 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 the yeah, choruses yeah. Are, are long and drawn out melodic yep. some of the double tracked sort of epic sounding choruses yep. I thought that sort of took me back to a Fear Factory vibe but then there was another there was another review of the band that I wanted to get your take on see what you think about this and I'll I'll just read the review for you very quickly on a side note sure. spe- speaking of Shoegaze, you have to, and, and everyone out there, if you don't know who they are, My Bloody Valentine, uh, you got to check them out. They're historically known, and they're from apparently from Dublin, and they've, they're one of the starters of the shoegaze movement. Okay, we'll check it out. So this this review comes from metalsucks.net. Mm-hmm. The title is, and it's it's in relation to this album. So I'm jumping ahead into the review section quickly, but yeah, just to give you a a flavor of how people are talking about the band and yeah. this will probably be no surprise to you but the title of the review is called Junius O Junius if music be the food of love play on <laughs> very romantic but so this is the first paragraph I'm running out of ways to describe how good I think Junius are I'm also running out of ways to describe their sound the very first time I read this description I knew that the writer had hit the mark Junius are the Smiths gone metal. You heard that one? Yeah, that's that was used. Um, Rolling Stone magazine used that on the album after this. So this album that we're reviewing, uh, Threshold, uh, garnered them some attention. And I just might mention right now that they 
replaced, uh, I hope everyone's familiar with a band called Ghost, they replaced the Swedish band Ghost on a 2011 tour with Enslaved, and Enslaved, another behemoth of a band that's got a huge discography, it was Enslaved and Alcest. And if you like Alcest, you will love Junius. If you like Junius, you should like Alcest. More droned out, shoegazing, just really heavy, melodic, melancholic, uh, heavy metal. But um, yeah, after this album, I think they got a write-up in Rolling Stone and every everywhere. Banner ads online, magazines that were actually printed. Uh, everyone was like, the Smiths of metal, mm. which I can only imagine... I'm sure they were flattered, but annoyed at the same time because it was it was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. <laughs> I, I think it's. <clears throat> I don't know if it's accurate, in my opinion. I don't know if it is either. I, I can I can see why people would draw that conclusion, and I think it's kind of, it's almost what we do. We 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 hear something and we have to equate it to something. Patterns, we're more yeah. Familiar we love with. patterns. And I can you know the subject matter of the album we're reviewing and the majority of their stuff seems quite heavy, seems quite melancholy. Um, there's a slow pace to the majority of the songs, at least on this album. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see where, yeah. where that comparison comes from. But I think certainly from a sound perspective, I hear more of the Deftones than I do. I agree, more Deftones. And I'm not even an expert on, on Morrissey, so uh, without say, saying that in us both not being uh, stuck on genres. I mean, let's just keep it moving. It is what it is. Absolutely. So in the interest of keeping it moving, let's move on to the album. But before we do that, let's set the set the scene a little bit for 2011, which is when this album comes out. And I've got just a few lists of um, important things that happened that year, and then a few albums that we probably were both interested in at the time. So in 2011, one that I know will be very close to your heart, um, and you must have been devastated at the time, but the new metal band Disturbed took an indefinite hiatus. (laughs) Ah, you got jokes, all right. (laughs) Luckily for you, they got back together in 2015, so it wasn't a a long, long absence there. I'm pretty sure I couldn't name a Disturbed song now if I tried, but I think they sing Down With The Sickness. They do indeed. All right. Passed the test on that one. Yeah, you did. Um, 2011 also saw Black Sabbath reform. It saw Slipknot's first tour since losing bassist Paul Gray in 2010. But also um, Slayer guitarist Jeff Hanneman contracted necrotizing fastesis which is a flesh-eating disease, which unfortunately ultimately contributed to his death in 2013. Wow. I'm guilty of of not knowing that's what it was. Yeah, apparently he was just in a friend's hot tub and got bitten by a spider, and then they had to do emergency surgery, made a recovery, but I think the... Holy shit. Yeah. I don't think that's exactly what he died from. I think it was um, liver-related... But I'm sure I think it's all sort of part sure. and parcel. Um, a few albums that uh, were released that year that stand out. One for you here, Amonomath, Serta Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, one probably that we were both into, Cavalier Conspiracy, the second album, Blunt Force Trauma. Mm-hmm. Good um, stuff. One from uh, a recent episode, In Flames, Sounds of a Playground Fade-In. So that's uh, a couple... 
post the album that we reviewed last time out. The album was called Sounds. They're using the word sound again in, in an album title. Yeah. And oh my lord. Very dubiously tight. <laughs> It's a very dubious um, title, Sounds of a Playground Fading. All right. Um, one that was close to my heart was uh, Gold Cobra, the Limbiska album. <laughs> all right. We've been there. We've been That's there. all you, brother. Um, another one that I really liked at the time, which if you haven't listened to, I definitely recommend checking out, was a album by a band called Fair to Midland. Never heard of them. Arrows and Anchors. We'll, we'll listen to that after the episode. Cause all that's right. Good. Sounds good couple others um one infamous release of the year was the collaboration between metallica and lou reed lulu don't know if you ever heard that but that was quite widely panned at the time they later was it any was it any good nile no it wasn't i and you know I'll, i'll defend the band to the hilt but that was not good um, they followed it up later that year with Beyond Magnetic, which was a, a short EP. And um, Machine Head also released Unto the Locust. Right. So all of those were released as well as the album that we're here to review today. Yeah. I think it's safe to say this album was my favorite that year. After, after, after that rundown, safe to say. Right. So as we jump into the album... Should we get a little bit of background about it? Yeah, absolutely. The um, uh, the best way to, to talk about the background is to bring up the album before that, which was The Martyrdom, Martyrdom of a Catastrophist. And this was the album that was full-blown all about behind the scenes uh, about the life of the, the catastrophist Emanuel Velikovsky, the Russian um, independent scholar with his ideas about comparing, uh, you know, mythology and human history and mm-hmm. outer space and the, the formation of the planets and their orbits, collisions, etc. And so I found a, a, a bit online that went into a little bit of um, backstory. Um, the, so the album The Martyrdom of a Catastrophist drew a lot from that gentleman. Um, and it was a philosophy that a lot of the band members were into. Obviously, uh, Joseph, the lead singer, was really into it. Um, but the concepts are all his, and because he wrote the lyrics, that's what it was about. Um, when he apparently, when reports from the threshold of death came out, um, it was basically um, Joseph says the last song on Martyrdom is about the death of Emmanuel Vilikowski. So after that, it was like, where do we go? I didn't really want to do another martyrdom. So literally, it was a continuation. After that, when people die, where do we go? Regardless of whether I believe or not, that wasn't the point. It wasn't about religion. It was more of an exploration and continuation. It's supposed to make you think about something bigger than yourself. The religion thing didn't have anything to do with it. He said, I've definitely had some issues with people asking why... Are you promoting the whole religion thing? But he's not, he says. I just had a conversation with someone asking me about that that fact, and it's like, come on, use, use your imagination, he says. Go with it. Have fun with it. Pretend. He then finishes off by saying, so whatever. I basically researched near-death experiences and followed the pattern that seemed to be happening with that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another member of the band follows up and says, the album title is what it is, this is reports 
from the threshold of death. Okay, so the theme is near-death experiences and what happens. What happens in what the afterlife and beyond, or when you die, when you actually die. So if I, you know, I find that really interesting, and you know, what I'd love to know from you is. So I've I've listened to this album in isolation now, and you get a certain sense of it. If you listen to the previous album mm-hmm. and then the album after, does the album after continue from this one? Does it benefit to sort of listen to them all together, and does that become more of this big sort of storytelling landscape that the band's trying to perpetuate? Uh, that's a great question, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm not shy about being honest. I I I I did listen to to the martyrdom, and it just seemed so complicated, so complex. Not only just in the lyrical content. As well as uh, the uh, the instrumentals, it just wasn't a, an album that I was completely sold on. I yeah. know a lot of people champion that album, but again, I just feel like although this is a little more easy to digest and it's more uh, you know structural based, you know it's based on the unknown, and this is something that I guess I. I it's an opportunity to tie it back to something we brought up on the last podcast is, is one of the great things about metal is metal isn't afraid to confront difficult conversations mm-hmm. or the shadow side. Hence, you know, and in, in this, in this amount of, um, in this frequency of storytelling as well, because this is not just one track. Oh no, it's, it's the a, whole it's, album. Yeah. This whole album explores that concept, which is, yeah, it's interesting, and it's a bra- it's it's brave. I think it's brave for someone to even attempt that, uh, just in general, and turn that into a work of art. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they did it through heavy metal, of course, is going to attract me. So I mean, what what other medium? <laughs> yeah, well, it's I, just I, appropriate. I I think the thing that's particularly impressive is that there's whilst the sound isn't exactly unradio friendly shall we say it it does seem like a band just pursuing what they're interested in and, right. and not not chasing sure not not chasing the mainstream they're exploring content and concepts that they're interested in and there's there's something to be respected about that amount of artistic freedom that the band can express here and on that note part of my research I did discover that the lead singer uh, there was there was a bit online where he was he, I read another a separate interview where he 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 dissected and broke down his process of writing lyrics, and he basically said in a nutshell it's living hell, because he's it's if anything I identify with that as an artist because p- part of part of creating anything in my opinion you've got to suffer for it you got to suffer through it and apparently he's some people it just slows naturally, I guess, but he's suffering through the lyrical process. But something he mentioned through that process was the concern uh, that he never wanted to be, he just never wanted to be mainstream. He didn't want to write songs mm-hmm. or lyrics mm-hmm. that were going to be radio friendly. And so, in a weird way, it sounds like he strained at every nerve to, to do that. And yeah. I think he did. I mean, again, this album's more accessible, I think, than the other ones, but I don't really think you're going to ever hear it on mainstream radio. <laughs> Probably not. 
Um, so the album was released on October 25th, 2011 to Prosthetic Records and the, uh, the singles at the time were Betray the Grave and All Shall Float. That's so right. in, in my research I wanted to get into the reviews, I wanted to see what people were saying about it which is quite interesting when you come at the album a number of years later and you know you form your own opinion but it's great to see what other people were saying. So what I found, um, and I don't know whether this is true to what you found as well, is that the album was generally well re- well received. Yeah, um, went down really well. And one um, one review I wanted to read a couple of um, paragraphs out of because I thought it really summed it up quite nicely was from the PRP.com, which gave the album a four out of five. Uh huh. And this is uh, a direct quote. There's a nearly inimitable sense of beauty and darkness that Junius are able to conjure on reports from the threshold of death. The kind that alternately drones and pulses with both overwhelming helplessness and inspirational determination. What would essentially be a funeral dirge under normal circumstances is buoyed and lifted beyond earthen constraints Mm. by the lingering ambience and spacey atmospherics. Oh, well said. That's perfect. Not well said by me, because that was not the easiest to read, but um, I think that really does sum this yeah. album up to me. I think yeah. it's, you know, going back to our conversation that we had last time out on In Flames, the ability to be able to balance really dark content with sort of that uplifting or melodic side, yeah. I think is what comes across really strongly. So for me, out of all the reviews that I read, that was the one that yeah. resonated probably the strongest to yeah. me. No, well said. All all the feels. That's what that's what this album does when it it, it 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 encapsulates the paradox of that droned out heaviness with the bright uplifting vocals and it just somehow works to perfection. Sure. Any other reviews that you got into that you thought summed it up quite nicely or Yeah, I mean I I'll use one that I just caught it today. I just I, I gotta flag it just because um, you know, it's, it's it's just interesting in general. But there's a review from um, exclaim.com by a Natalie Zena Walshots, and she gives it a fantastic glowing review. Uh, calls them space rockers. She's the one that talked about the album being anchored in heaviness. The bass lines are heavy as iron ore, uh, but on the other hand, there's a spacey lightness to the vocals, giving it a free-flying quality, adding to the brightness. Um, it just gives, this whole album just has a massive sense of space and sound, um, uplifting vocals. And, you know, at the end of the day, she says, this is a very easy album to get lost in and drift away. Um, but on that note, speaking of reviews, we got to take the good with the bad. Um, another, another criticism that's that a lot of people share is that although these sounds are big and droning, uh, the droning quality um, is, is powerful. The sound is because the sound is consistent throughout the album. A lot of the songs can end up sounding the same, etc., mm-hmm. uh, etc. Et so take that with a grain of salt. Take that for what it's worth. Um, I don't, you know, that that can be a bad thing, but I don't necessarily think it detracts from uh, 
how powerful and great this album is. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I, I, I can see both sides of that argument, to be honest, because, you know, um, whilst I'm a, a, a big fan of this album, um, I do think that maybe it's, maybe it's part and parcel with a concept album that is telling a very consistent story from start to finish. Yeah. But about halfway through the album, you do become very aware of the formula. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of at one pace, there's kind of one tonal range for the vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the dynamic between the, the softer verses, the, the big heavy choruses that are laid with those choral elements. Um, so I can, I can definitely see that, um, that side of the argument, but I want to quickly jump back to what you said earlier in the view about, um, sort of being transported to a place. Yeah. Because I think that's, you know, just jumping into some of my um, first impressions of the album, listen to the album a number of times. First time I heard it, headphones on. Headphones required, man. Absolutely. Headphones on, not taking any notes, just kind of going with it. Second time, taking notes. Third time, again, going back, headphones on, and just no notes whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And on the third time I listened to the album, I did really get that that quality of being able to sort of being transported. Yeah. I think that's the benefit of of what they're doing here with that um, concept, is that it is so evocative. And if you sit there with your eyes closed, listening to the music, it does it is transportative. I think it does yeah. sort of take you to that. So I think that review yeah. really sort of hits the nail on the head for me. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if the concept of the album is uh, near death, actual death, or speculating what happens when you die, like this, the word floating, I mean, that's the second track, All Shall Float. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, again, desp- despite the the... The similarities between songs and the similarities even between the lyrics, it's just really driving home the concept. And like you said, it it sonically is consistent, it's lyrically consistent, but then um, this is just me interpreting by that third time, you kind of you know, if you're if you're listening with headphones solo and you're just in the trance, uh, I'm not gonna say it makes you feel like you're dying, but you're 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 just kind of floating in that world of this album it's just it takes you to another place yeah and uh again it's it's a dark subject but it sounds beautiful and it's it's just almost a meditative way to contemplate whatever the hell this guy's talking about and to to think about something that has to happen to all of us (laughs) yeah I, i i think that's quite that's quite true it um i wonder whether this is something consistent with concept albums um because I'm not massively familiar with, with, with many bands that do a lot of that, at least in a consistent basis, like mm-hmm. like Junius. What do but, you mean? Does the, does the concept album work fully like that? No, I, I, I meant more, do you have to be in the mood for it? Mm. You know, this is... Do, do, these, do these songs on this album work out of sync? Do they work if they're in a playlist, if you're listening to other... Do, do you need to appreciate the that, album I didn't even think entirety? about that. I, I didn't, I'd never thought about that, but now that I think about it, I feel like it's a resounding yes. I think so. Because, because it's so deeply conceptual, mm-hmm. 
it's 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 a uh, and it's so fluid and, and perfect you, you've got to listen to it start to finish yeah and I don't see how you could insert one of these songs into like after a Metallica song or a different band maybe maybe if you stuck to the genre it would work but uh, this album is just so intense yeah I, I think so and you know just going back to that idea of if if you're in the mood for it and you're kind of in the right environment yeah I think this works from start to finish if you're kind of in and out if you know you're walking somewhere or you're kind of in the middle of doing something else and you've got music on in the background I don't think this is the album for that right in in a sense because I don't think you're going to hook on to the content and the actual songs yeah um, and then I think the album inevitably suffers for its I guess familiar dynamic yeah when you have it as a, as a piece of background music, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And on that note, I guess, for me personally, I tend to listen to this album. It's interesting. I've, I just noticed this after revisiting this album this week and just reflecting on it. I find myself listening to this album not when I'm overly happy or too negative or feeling down because... The very definition of this album is just melancholic. This is melancholy. So I tend to I tend to revisit this album when I'm just in like an an alright place. I'm not like in the best the best place, I'm not in the worst place. If I'm just somewhere in the middle ground in life, this album always comes up and it always makes me feel good. I don't know if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I mean that's that's the reason why we're doing this out. You know, I wanna know why this album, like what it means to you and kind of I guess when you go back to it you know we talked last time out about In Flames and Soundtrack to Your Escape and what that means to me when I get into that album and how often I listen to it yeah Um, and it sounds like this album has a a similar kind of impact or you know significance to you yeah and I guess I guess when I really think about it I, I, I gotta retract that it's I guess if I am feeling down this is an album that because it's such dark subject matter but still melancholic, and there is that that hopefulness in the vocals, it actually can bring you out of yeah. some of that. So I guess that's what I meant to say. I, I think that's that's a really nice... Um, and it, it goes back to that review that I, I read before. I think, you know, one of, one of my biggest general impressions, biggest takeaways from this album is, you know, when you... When you said to me, let's, let's do Junius Reports of the Threshold of Death... Mm-hmm. Knowing the kind of music that you generally listen to, I was like, here we go. <laughs> Put that first track on, got that choral chanting. Yeah. And I was expecting, you know, this is going to just descend into serious heaviness <laughs> and darkness. And actually what I found, you know, you know, I also had context of you telling me the, the idea behind the album, the concept mm-hmm. album. So it's all, it's all, on the face of it, it's all really dark it sounds grim and dark yeah Yeah. um i thought this was going to be a difficult listen but i was pleasantly surprised that's great to hear man that and you know one of the things that we liked the most about the inflames record Mm -hmm. was that balance between heavy heavy and melodic yeah this album has it in buckets as well yeah i think and you know i'm glad you picked up on that man a couple of the things that i wrote down was i think you really feel the concept yeah you've got the the darkness of the um, the content, what they're what they're singing about, 
but you've almost got this roller coaster of emotions of lows, highs, it's dark, but as you mentioned before, it's actually quite uplifting. They managed to mm-hmm. balance some really quite beautiful melodies yeah. with these heavier parts and and the I think you said before as well, there seems to be hope yeah. in, in the in the vocals. And I was personally just um like one of the things I love about metal is 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 good guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. This isn't the album for that, but what it is the album for is really catchy melodies that mm-hmm. sort of you know counteract that heaviness in 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 the instrumentation and kind of uplift you take you to that sort of um yeah more hopeful state I suppose. yeah yeah okay so before we get into the the songs and our highlights how about we take a look at the album art and give a few um reactions to that and what we think's working what we don't think's working what our rating is even for the for the artwork so just a little bit of background the um the artwork was created by ira bronson of black day creative fantastic you did your you did your homework just a little bit so give me your first impressions of the artwork um blatantly obvious uh walk towards the light Mm -hmm. i love that it's not overwhelmingly taking up I mean, we're going to nerd out here as designers. I love that it's not overwhelmingly dominant on the on the cover and that it's actually uh, 50-50. You've got this black void of space surrounding it, but then at its centermost point, it's just completely opaque white. I love the contrast surrounding the, the, the white light. Of course, we've got the angels uh, as well as some other... Elements that I can't quite make out, but then it's, at the it's a, it's a lot of funeral imagery. Got it. Right? You've got um, uh, the the angels, and I guess what would traditionally be seen in um, uh, sort of like a, a funeral setting or a gra- graveyard. The flowers. Um, what are the tentacles or, though? Is that just ornament? It looks like. It looks like a snake. Okay. I'm not sure of the symbolism of a snake, but... Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. I, I, I like, if anything, I like its simplicity. I like the stark contrast of the, the black void of outer of, of what I would consider outer space to the white light, the hole, the angels uh, there to guide you in, and then, of course, uh, the floral element, which ties back to, to funerals. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, um, I think it's really successful in terms of really summing up this album. Mm-hmm. And as I was mentioned before, you're listening to this this album with your headphones on, and you've got you know got your eyes closed or whatever. I think this album you can almost see this album artwork. Yeah. Especially with that, I think the last track on the album has the lyrics "Bring me into your light." Yeah. And that's exactly what I see. I see that image of the um, yeah. the album. A few specifics around it that I quite like. Like you mentioned, I, I like the the. The sort of visual dynamic of that central focus of the light i think there's a, a really lovely symmetry mm-hmm. to the piece um almost reminds me of like the uh intro titles to dark how they have like the the symmetry there mm-hmm. i think it's very intriguing um and i like that the the sort of the the branding shall we say yeah and, and the title is just nice and quite subtle just at the bottom so I'd personally give this a, I guess this is a six out of ten, because I think it 
it it works really well in the concept um but i think outside of that i don't know whether i'd be wearing this on a t-shirt yeah say. yeah <laughs> what yeah. do you think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up by a seven or an or an eight for its relevance to the concept. Well, Correct. It, yeah. Just because again, I go back to the the overall cohesiveness. Like five out of ten is halfway. Six is a little better than halfway. Based on the overall cohesiveness of what we've been discussing, this deserves at least a seven or an eight. I definitely don't think I'd wear it on a t-shirt. Um, not even sure if I'd put it on my wall as a piece of art. I mean, just because of the subject matter, but in general, I give it an eight because it's 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 nailing everything else. It's perfect for the album, I think. Correct. And what's nice about it, in contrast to the um, the one we reviewed for In Flames, there's no escape button. <laughs> it's a little bit more subtle. It's a little bit more suggestive. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 literal, but at the same time, it's also suggestive. Yeah. All right. So. Um, Let's get a little bit more granular. Let's let's get into our highlights. Um, if there was three songs that you were going to take off the album, put onto a playlist, mm-hmm. um, what would they be and why? Um, I'm aligned with pretty much everyone else in the universe. That "Betray the Grave" is, uh, I think one one review said it was an instant classic. "Betray the Grave" is the opener, and it's an absolute heavy opener with this gigantic uh, cavernous 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 but ominous sound it's just the the, it goes back to the shoegazing comment it's just this cavernous massive wall of sound and that's the first thing that hits you Um, I guess what was shocking that it was the second most popular song on the Spotify can't remember the first one but um, yeah, just, just a big heavy opener and just the title alone in lyrical content itself, it just hits you like a, like a ton of bricks, uh, what, what you're, what you're going to experience for the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, uh, the perfect opener yeah. to the album and it's, I, 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 I think it's probably my favorite. It's definitely in my top three highlights, yeah. but I just think. As you mentioned, I just think that intro, obviously you've got that choral sort of chanting. Mm-hmm. It really sort of puts shivers down your spine, sets you up for what's what's to come. Yeah. Then, you know, you mentioned that wall of sound. Actually, when everything comes in at once, there's not a lot of clarity like, to yeah. the sound. It's like just yeah. there. It's on you. It's bombastic. Kind of, but it has a, a really ethereal... Yeah all like encompassing sort of sound which I think is really immediately really, really transports good. you to another plane yeah <laughs> and like I said before what I was expecting from there was actually to get heavier like the the lyrics the the vocals to be right to okay a certain edge to them uh-huh. but actually I was really surprised to because this is the first first junior song I think I'd ever heard yeah it went straight into a lullaby yeah went straight into this <laughs> this really nice melody and I think the 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 chorus is just possibly one of the catchiest on the album. Mm-hmm. And I think what you find from my highlights is that the majority of the ones that I've picked out have really distinct melodies. Yeah. And goes you know, back to what I said, the the structure. There's structure and melody. Yeah. 
and which um, they didn't always have. I, I I love the I love the dynamic that they have at play as well, which is like those um, really heavy, like uplifting big choruses with uh, more subdued verses, mm-hmm. which we discussed before. Kind of they, you do realize that's a formula going forward, but whilst you're in Betray the Grave, it's working really nicely. And I think going back to one of the reviews that you read about the the bass. The mm-hmm. bass in the verse, so yeah. chunky and yeah, just heavy, heavy as fuck. <laughs> and the the lyrics on the um, the chorus, never fear for your life, we are drawn out, getting straight into the content. Yeah. you know the you know we we haven't dealt a lot with the themes in this album that we've picked out personally because they're quite overwhelmingly obvious. But I do think what's quite nice is I think they're quite intelligently written. Yes. There is a there is a certain abstraction, a little bit of intrigue to, mm-hmm. to what they actually mean. It's obvious what you know the grander context of everything is. But I think the way that they're delivered doesn't feel in a weird way like they're hitting you over the head with right. this is all about near death experiences. Yeah. No, and I and I got some notes on that just even just from the first song. Uh, I'm a huge Carl Sagan fan, and Carl Sagan, um, for those that you don't know, is a uh, astrophysicist that uh, wrote uh, a number of fantastic books that spoke to the layman about uh, our universe and the planet, etc. And so that lyric, uh, "Never fear for your life, we're drawn out by the light." This is just my personal interpretation. A, a, a famous saying Carl Sagan's known for saying was that. As humans, we're made of stars. We're made of star stuff. That's actually the quote. We're made of star stuff. And literally, all the elements from the periodic table of elements come from stars. Mm-hmm. And they're in our bodies. They're in everything on this planet. And so that's just the way I interpret that. You don't have to fear for your life because even when you die, you're just going right back into the universe, right back into those elements... You know, and although we all fear it, that lyric right there, we're drawn out by the light. And, you know, there's elements in light. There's elements in our bodies, and it's all tied back to the universe. And so, I don't know. I just feel like uh, this song sets a tone, uh, sets a great tone on the theme of the album. It acknowledges the fear of death, because there's definitely some fearful... He acknowledges the fear, mm-hmm. but there's always this... Again, this paradox, this counterbalance of like, and we'll get into it on some of the other songs, that there's really hope. There's hope, uh, there's comforting, and again, it's all interpretation, but it's really well said, and it's not hitting you over the head. I think it's really cool and beautiful, and uh, yeah. And I mean, the, the title of the song, Betray the Grave, suggests there is, it, the, the chorus almost suggests there is an air of finality. Or an air of an air of inevitability, but actually the song is saying that it's not the end. Yeah. Which is is yeah. a really interesting way to start the album, which is kind of like don't worry about the end because it's not exactly the end. It's not and, the end. Which is really cool. And I, again, just on the fly I'm tying this back to another another speaking of another artist and someone that passed away is, is David Bowie. Someone mentioned this when David Bowie passed uh, recently, rest in peace. That um, he didn't really die because his songs are 
ubiquitous. They're going to live forever. Yeah. And that's that's David Bowie. That's his legacy. As long as those songs are played, they're around. And that's just another form of, yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, I'm going to go into a, a highlight for me, which is actually the second track, which yeah. is All Shall Float. Yep. Um, I think, you know, this kind of, for me, that continues the same themes of Betray the Grave. Yep. You have, as you mentioned again, that sort of wall of sound, the blend of the, the heavy and just the layering of those those choral elements, the chanting, the, the sort of um, that large sort of vocal presence, which mm-hmm. like just all the layers of that is really, really impactful. And I just love the chorus, all live and let go, that mm-hmm. line in there again it's it's picking up from where we were I got a highlight as well man yeah it's it's again it's like this acceptance this acceptance of the end but might not be the end it's kind of coming to terms with that yeah as you said you know continuing theme it's really dark subject matter but almost providing that counterbalance of the the uplift which I think is really important and he goes on to say we all shall float as one which ties into my comment that we're all made of the same shit, you know, despite our differences, which we should all, you know, champion as well. At the end of the day, we're all humans and made from the same shit, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think, um, I mentioned this before, but all my highlights, the, the majority of my highlights come down to those really memorable melodies and mm-hmm. choruses and you know, we said we said before we had maybe like uh, a conflict between how memorable the album was if you were just out and about, right? Or whether you have to kind of be in that headspace for this idea of a concept album. Definitely do. I think that's true. In but these melodies, after I kind of you know, they're coming back into my head like mm-hmm. on a daily basis. So it's that's probably the reason why I chose them as highlights for me is because they sort of stand out. Yeah. So um, that is all shall float. Um, I got one more note on that one, man, because the way it ends is pretty powerful as well. Again, I'm just interpreting how I think this guy, how they keep the the album moving is he says at the end, I know I will see you again. Mm -hmm. And I think all the instruments drop and it's just the vocals. He says, I know I will see you again, which of course harkens back to like, once we get to heaven, are we going to see each other again? Blah, blah, blah. Um, heaven or wherever. Or wherever, wherever. But then the last part is is uh, is him saying over and over, wait, oh, wait, now wait, like, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a panic. Like, that's the way I interpret it. So, so I was like, oh, wait, I'm dying. I don't want to die yet. Yeah, and, the, I... and then the song... Few other songs do it, but this is the second track. It just stops. Yeah. And I don't know if they didn't know how to end it. Some bands don't know how to like wrap up a song, but he's screaming, "Wait, wait, wait!" And the song just stops, and you're just like, "Oh shit!" I you gotta. I, it, it, I and for me, it keeps me. It's like I need more now, it's, and it just like it's a great segue into the next track. It's it's kind of funny because. In a way, if you go into the recording, you know which studio, part I'm talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. When you if you go into this recording process and you have this idea of this concept album, one thing that I didn't pick up on 
too much as I was listening to was whether there was a consistent whether there was a story which had arcs throughout the entire mm-hmm. or th- throughout the entire album or these were just as it says reports individual reports all pieced together but there was that's a, what he said so I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's what it was if you read a, reports yeah that's I mean that was my interpretation but maybe you know, he pieced it together you're right but what what you sort of picked up on there that last that last sort of vocal exchange the the weight part if you're writing an album, a concept, and it's it's going to sort of have peaks and troughs and and have some finality to it at it's the brilliant, end. Brilliant, right? It, it it's almost like writing a script. Yeah. It's, it's like piecing together acts or scenes. Yeah. Um, and the way that that ends, I, I think it's probably intentional. Yeah. They kind of cut it that way and and just have that almost cliffhanger that leads you yeah. directly into the next song. Like you can you can sing and and and. You can sing and talk all day about how you're ready for death, but then the way that song ends, it's like when it's actually happening, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the song just cuts off. You're like, all right, that's pretty intense. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what you got next? Um, it's actually my second favorite is the third song, Dance on Blood. My notes say... Um, I The more I think about it, I think it was intentional because... As soon as All Shall Float ends abruptly like that, it's just a literal cutoff mm-hmm. of him saying, wait, oh, wait, now wait. Dance on Blood is just so solemn and drone, drony. It's just like really flatline, drone, deep bass tone. But the reason I like it the most is, um, again, this place, this, this, this album's all over the place with, with addressing death and concepts of, of the soul and, and, and dying and, and life. There's something in the highlight in here. He says, you never were real. Um, again, it ties back to like, just the way I interpret it. If, if we're just made up of elements of the universe, um, it's just interesting. He says, you never were real. And then the next bit later, he says, um, Oh, this whole song is just sounds like it's written from the perspective of God. If you re- if you read these lyrics, oh really? Yeah, gives the flavor. The 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 first lyric, you turn around and find me. And he says it's over now. And he says, uh, we're real, just kneel. And he goes, don't worry, you won't last long. He goes, give me all your trust. And he's like, um, he says, I want you so bad. Like he's inviting you to heaven. Well, I guess it's... I don't know. It's, it sounds like there's something there. And maybe it's... And then there's and then the second half of the song is, again, very life-affirming about sins, because Christians are all worried about their sinning, right? He goes, you will never... We will never call you out on your crimes. Follow me. Follow me, you can, your hollowed lies. I know you'll fall to me. All your lies... I love them. It's like, it's like, again, people call this album religious, and although he says it's not religious, we are a Judeo-Christian Western society. You cannot help but think about Judeo-Christian ethics, whether you're religious or not. Mm-hmm. And the way I interpret the song is, um, it's it's just he's saying you, you, you. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for you. I want you bad. You were never real. Don't worry about 
your crimes will never call you out. Just come towards the light. And then the last bit that's, again, going back to the chanting is, you have arisen, we have a reason. You have arisen, we have a reason. And it's like, time to get out. It's basically saying, whether you like it or not, you're coming to me. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, I don't know how you interpret it. The, how I interpret it is maybe, you know, going back to the, the, the title, Reports from the Threshold of Death, is this somebody recounting back what God, in inverted commas, said to him yeah. upon that near-death experience? I don't know. That's what I mean, it feels like. Because you, you said it could be written from the first perspective yeah. of, uh, of God yeah. uh, or whatever you believe. Um, but actually, you know, going back to the idea of reports, is it kind of somebody's interaction, someone's kind of experience with that. And then is, is, is time to get out at the end? Is that it's over or it's, it's like, we're going, you, you don't need to come here just yet. You're kind of going yeah. back to the, the real yeah. world. I, it, it, it's, it's or a it tough could, one. Or it could be hell. I mean, the first bit says, uh, you turn around and find me which is kind of creepy, like it could be Satan behind your back. He says, it's over now, descend. <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're real, just kneel. And he says, and you won't last long. I'm praying on the shame of your past. Give me all your trust. Yeah. Like, this could have been someone that thought they were going to go to hell and then at the last minute got pulled up to heaven. That's a very common theme in near-death experiences. You know what's... what's a, lot, a lot of born-agains, right? Like, yeah. I thought I was going to hell... But then Christ showed up and I walked towards the light. <laughs> so, I mean, in that sense, I think it's a brilliant fucking song. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And that's, and I, that's, that, that's why it's number two. It's, it came in a close, close, close to Betray the Grave, but that, that when they start chanting, you have a reason, we have a reason. It's like, it felt very om- like the omen, like yeah. the chants and the omen. It's like, we have a reason, you have a reason. Personally, and, and I, is, that, I, is that God saying you, you've come, you've you've risen versus descended? I don't no, know. I, I, pre- I prefer your Satan analogy. I go, I go with that one. That one's more interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, it's dark. Um, but uh, you know what? You know what's really good is you know I mentioned it before, but the theme is obvious, but it is intelligently written, and there Absolutely. is. I think it leaves just enough yeah. open for us to be able to um, create our own interpretations mm-hmm. which is what yeah. we're what we're both doing here yep yep this is this is becoming a, a a recurring theme but actually track four is is my is my close yeah. very close second. get on with it yeah um it's uni- my number three a universe without stars because mm-hmm. i just i love the way this one opens and it's got that really i mentioned it before this idea this kind of this beautiful melodic part that is underpinned by some real heaviness in the guitars yeah all the layering of the sounds i just we're talking about the delay yes the the starry effect exactly (laughs) and all of the um like the atmosphere it creates yeah it it just really envelops like yeah envelops you when you listen to it it's um it's got everything that i like about this album in it it has that familiar softer verse with the heavy chorus mm-hmm. which to this point in my listening experience i haven't grown tired of 
that yeah. that does become a little bit more formulaic as you go. But the 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 chorus melody I think is you know, I'm I'm really torn between Betray the Grave Betray the Grave and A Universe Without Stars for my top one here mm-hmm. because I think the melody for Universe Without Stars is potentially even better than Betray the Grave. It's brutally um, honest. There's the it's just afraid to that, embrace the change. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. And it, we're falling towards. Yeah. It's like we're all going there. But then the, the We're all last, afraid of it, but we have to embrace it. The last line that is um, chanted, you know, uh-huh. like sort of gang vocal element, is we fall across the void, yep. return the soul reborn. Mm-hmm. And that is just like, when that's delivered, yeah. it just adds a different dynamic to that chorus. Yeah. And I think that's possibly what makes it yeah. one of the most the more standout parts yeah. of, the, of the album for me. Yeah powerful lyrics and it sounds powerful when they deliver it and I think it's just the you know if I had to like in a nutshell say what I liked about this album this song encapsulates all of it heaviness the sort of somber foreboding Mm -hmm. funeral kind of dirgy kind of choral elements amazing melodies like just just Really, yeah. really drawn out vocals, really ambient sounds, really transportative. Um, and again, um, not like nothing around sort of the riffs and the guitars, just everything works together in perfect harmony, that sort of yeah. instrumentation. I think the songs that I've chosen have what I think to be the best melodies and the most memorable hooks within the songs. And I'll just end on that with A Universe Without Stars. I highlighted the last few lines. He says, I mean, if anything, it's like, it, sounds, it sounds like something someone would say that's at peace with death. He says, I want truth. Show in, show in me. There was always love. I'll divide into the prime. Again, that's like he's breaking up into star stuff. He's going to, he's, he's dying. He's going to decay, but he's becoming part of the universe. Yeah, and then he just says, "Take my life." That's the last lyrics. Take my life. Super fucking, uplifting. Fucking, <laughs> but, some, but some heavy shit. But it's if if you listen to it when he says those things, it's just it's just overwhelmingly powerful. Yeah, I, and, I think, and beautiful. I think that's really funny again. It's a paradox. Me and you just deadpan repeating these lyrics. Yeah, and they they sound really dark. And yeah, probably anybody listening. You gotta hear it though. Yeah, you gotta hear it because anybody listening is gonna be like. How the fuck do you guys think that's uplifting? They're just like, take my life. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm yeah. there, man. I'm at that moment. <laughs> so what else you got for highlights? Any any other tracks you want to pinpoint? Um, I got a few more. Just a couple more. Um, I think the next one, Haunts for Love. There's there's the, the opening lyrics. I don't want to... He just, again, no... no not much... Uh, instruments but just kind of an ambient sound in the background he says i don't want to review my life it just kills me over and over again sure we can, we can, i mean who, sure. who who wants to do that over and over again um that one's just i don't know i think um oh i've got a note that says um again just flipping flipping things on its head he goes just know that we all we we are. Just know that all we harmed and all we were was turned around. It's all right. Mm-hmm. He's saying, 
even in death, no matter what you did, all is forgiven because it is what it is, and we move on to the next stage, whatever that is. So in other words, I just, inter- again, interpret that as like relieving people of all the guilt that Judea Christianity gives people in their lifetime, and especially before they die. And a lot of people, I mean, that dogma keeps people from living the, the true life that they want to live, and so... Mm-hmm. When they when they reach death, there's there's all these histories and stories of people being apologetic or asking forgiveness or atonement of some sort, and again, it's just as an interpretation. He's like, we're all gonna die. It is what it is. I think um, on a more basic level, you can imagine this album having quite a profound impact on anybody who had any fear of death. Yeah. Despite your background or yeah. your beliefs, yeah. like th- there seems to be a real continuing thre- thread here of this may be the end, but don't worry, it might not be. You know, there's there's life beyond, or there's like yeah, it 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 is just to sort of go back. It is that kind of uplifting yeah spin on quite a dark subject matter. Yeah, and he finishes. He's like the depths of love. We will. Re- the depths of love, we will review our truth, we'll recover. To me, I don't know if that just evokes some sense, of, again, sense of hope in the afterlife that, you know, even in death, we can review our lives and it is what it is and you can still have hope. Um, the Meaning of Pasts was the next song and that was just... Um, I got to note that there's just this whirling sound that evokes a sense of rising. Like yeah. you talk about being immersed, that song actually feels like you're like rising out of yourself. Um, again, interesting concept that because again, you got to have the audio, which we don't have. But if you listen to that song, it's it's got this whirling sound of like upliftingness. I don't know. I wonder whether any of that came into the. Uh, like you know, I, I I play guitar. I've recorded music before. I've never written music to evoke a almost as if you're soundtracking a movie, right? It's absolutely like this. This must, you know, this must come into the process. Like you just mentioned, yeah. that seems like how does it up. make you feel? Yeah, do that when they're writing this stuff, they must be thinking like. You know what comes first, the riff or the concept or whatever. But it, uh-huh. either way, it's it's trying to almost tell a story with the music, as opposed to writing a piece of music, yeah. putting some lyrics on it, and you go from there. And I believe it's I believe that's true because the next track is called "Spirit Guidance," and it's strictly an instrumental. I love this one. And it's my notes here. It's an eerie interlude, like floating in space. Do you know what I got down? It's like you've arrived. It's like you've arrived. What'd you say? Blade Runner. Oh. You think? Whoa. Because I, I listened to this the other day, and this yeah. th- this was a, a serious honorable mention for Huge me. Huge fan. You nailed it. Yeah. It's It's got that... I almost put it down as my highlights. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. Synth. <laughs> yeah. Again, synth. Yeah. But uh, it's it's got that, like... I don't know. It feels like... Um, I could see it in a scene, Blade Runner 2049 or yeah. something. Like yeah. Just when the flying cars are kind of... Yeah. I don't know, there's something about it sort of evoked that for me, but I think, you know, that's probably 
an association that's outside of the concept of this album, what you said, sort of floating in space, that sort of ethereal yeah. um, nature. It's, it's again one of those tracks that when you've got the headphones on, you're going through the whole album in one go, it's a really nice uh, interlude and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really atmospheric. Yeah, and so moving on, I, I don't have much notes on the next two tracks. If you do feel free, but I was going to just jump to the last track unless you had notes on No, I, I th- Reflection of Fire, Trance and the Ghost. I think I'll give you... Um, oh, great song names. I'll give... Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you... I, I think... Um, Reflection on Fire. I mean, the lyrics are profound. I mean, fire is an, a core element. I think... It's, hum- it's been around since the dawn of time, and that song talks about looking and studying at fire, right? Yeah. That's, you know, that's all good. It's all good subject matter in the the fodder of this album. Um, I did have one one small note. Like I, you know, I've got I've got thoughts on the album as it goes along, which I'll sort of delay to the end. But there's a bridge on Transcend the Ghost, which is the penultimate track, I think, mm-hmm. which does something different outside of the realms. I think of the the album has done it. It goes into a like probably one of the heaviest moments on the album, mm. and you know it's totally free of vocals it's guitar it's the choral elements it's the drums everything it kind of takes it off in a different tangent which to be honest you know I think as this album goes on it suffers for its um, formula that kind of snapped snapped me straight back out of that which was really good but um, you've got notes on the last track I've got notes on the last track I think that was beyond the first sort of four tracks that i written down notes for that was the one that I wanted to touch on as well so why don't you take it away with the last one? one yeah yeah um, well I had to look it up uh, Eidolon and Paraspirit yep and so Eidolon is an idealized idolized person or thing a specter or phantom the Paraspirit which was really interesting is a um, it comes from spiritism which I think is is tied to uh, mediums tarot cards and revisiting you know the dead bringing them back their spirits so the the paraspirit is the subtle body that is used by the spirit to connect with the perceptions created by the brain the term is found among the extensive terminology originally devised by Alan Kardec in his books about spiritism um I don't know it's just uh it's more key words here. It's properties. It is. It is made of the universal cosmic fluid. It is. It's serving as the shape by which spirits see each other. Uh, it sends forth fluidic emanations that can affect those around it. Uh, it's consi- consistently. It's constantly under change as the spirit spirit progresses and may eventually even be harmed or destroyed. Um, it, it won't be necessary anymore when all spirits attain perfection. Wow. So, and so that... that who, knows, who knows what the fuck it is then? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, again, it's more pseudoscience. It or, sounds fucking cool, though. Yeah, it sounds cool, and I don't know why you wouldn't use that for a fucking album, so they just nailed it on that. Like, it's, it's so... Especially the, the At the end, outro. right? It's like, it's like you've arrived, and maybe you've come back. 
Maybe you're in the room right with us right now. I can only hope. That'd be pretty fucking cool. Um, importance for mediumship. This is on the Wikipedia. You know, a medium is someone that claims to have contact with the dead. So the 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 um, the actual paraspirit actually involves the interaction of the paraspirit of the of the medium and that of the disembodied spirit. So the medium has a paraspirit and the person that passed has a paraspirit and that's what's interacting that's fucking insane yeah, that um, and that's what happens when that paraspirit is invited uh, to our plane of existence by the medium and um, I don't know it even ties back to there's a note here it's, it's the metaphor of your soul as a garment which I think is fucking beautiful. As a garment. As a garment. And it's in commonplace in Russian mysticism. Like a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's your it's your outer it's your outer This song's about a shirt. Well dude, listen, all you gotta do is watch any videos by Junius and they're wearing robes, there's bouquets, there's wreaths, all sorts of symbolism with the dead. And it's profound. It's and again it's just the videos are beautiful. The sim- the the symbolism's beautiful, um, and that's that's where that final track ends with uh, Eidolon and and Paraspirit is, uh, you know, the idealized the idealized person, a phantom, but it's also the Paraspirit that the coating, the clothing, the outer layers, and again, it's just entirely inviting lyrically. It's like, bring me into your love, bring me into your night. Bring me into your light. Bring me into you. It's better here than you know. Mm-hmm. We're ready for you. Well, nailed it. Yeah. And <laughs> I th- you know, the note that I've got is this is the perfect closer for this type of album. I think the album starts... I think they bookended the album yes. amazingly. Well said. Betray, Betray the Grave. It has the impending doom. kicks yeah. off. And You're probably going to die. Yeah. And then the ending is like... You're cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the, the fact that the last the last song is just so atmospheric. Yeah. I think it's... When I was listening to this the other day, I was... That's all the thing that... The only thing that was going through my head was, this is the perfect ending for this, this album. Um, and as I mentioned before, I think when I was listening to this the other day, this last track, I'm picturing that album art cover like right. I'm, I'm picturing the cover and I'm picturing just You're going there. straight into the light it's the like threshold. speaking to you crossing the threshold and I just think they just this the overall just feel of that song is great I know you touched on the lyrics just bring me into your light it's just a perfect yeah a perfect closer for the album and no, definitely no. worth um, talking about right so highlights aside Closing thoughts, rating for the album out of ten. What are you thinking? Out of ten, I give it a uh, uh, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. That's big. Yeah. And it's not a ten because of the um, well, everyone's comment that it's same same per song. Mm-hmm. But even still, even even the best scoop of vanilla ice cream is the best scoop of vanilla ice cream, <laughs> and. Although this band, this album is far from vanilla, 
they've they're consistent from the beginning to the end. Every track is listenable. And to your point, because it's a concept album, you can and should listen to it from start to finish with headphones, eyes closed, in the dark, I don't know, um, and just embrace it for exactly what it is, is uh, an absolute masterpiece. Awesome. I've gone a little bit lower than you, and I'll give you the reasons. I've gone for a seven. Mm. Um, and I think, the, I, I guess the reason for that is, um, whilst I think the album has some really great highs, some really great melodic hooks the majority of my highlights are in the first half of the record the first four songs yeah and i think once you get over towards halfway over halfway you start to realize there's a bit of a formula going on mm-hmm. um and you kind of you touched on that that people think yeah. it's quite similar i think when we were last it's undeniable i think it is that's you know it's probably you know it's probably something you could attach to any band that you're not familiar with. Yeah. Um, different kinds of music, God, all sounds the same. Um, for this album in particular, I think when we were we were last out, we were talking about In Flames, and we were talking about soundtrack, and we were talking about the dynamic range, yeah, and how there was uh, you know yeah. different things going on. There's a lack of variety, I think, in the the songwriting. Yeah. And I think that you know it's probably down to maybe one of the pitfalls of a concept album is that yeah. you're dealing with very similar subject matter. It's going to have a similar feel from front to back. So I wish you know there could have been a change in pace. That yeah, I think there is a there is touches of that, and you know the instrumentals a great example of that. I mentioned the the bridge on the penultimate track, Trans- transcend the ghost, mm-hmm. and the final track, which I won't try and pronounce, um, yeah. is just a is the perfect way to end the album. Um, so I think, all in all, I've I've picked out the highlights for me in the first half of the album with the, the brilliant melodies. It has all of those, those first four songs have everything that I love about the album. Suffers a little bit with familiarity as yeah. it goes on. But yeah. all in all, great stuff. Yeah. Seven out of ten. Nice. So... After this, you know what what came what came next for Junius, and did you have you continued sort of to? Keep yeah, listening that's to actually them? that's actually a great question because, in my opinion, and I've told you this before, the um, the follow up album, which I have right here, uh, Eternal Rituals for the Accretion of Light, uh, was the follow up, and if anything, it was. In my opinion, the direct pickup from the end of Threshold, again, very conceptual album, which we'll have to review at another time maybe, but it's got the Junius sound, but it's, if anything, this was more darker, more ominous. Interesting. And I don't really know if I think this album, the, the follow-up had as much uplifting, hopeful, uh, bright elements. It looks like... Just a little glance on the Spotify. You mentioned Betray the Graves, obviously the second most popular track, but the rest of the top five are from um, the the album that you were just mentioning, Eternal Rituals for the Accretion yeah. of Light. Um, so it'll be worth having a listen to that. And it's interesting that you say that they went on to be even darker because instead of going on the trajectory of maybe even being a little bit more uplifting. Yeah, and they abandoned... 
I'm not going to say they abandoned it, but it's not as structured, not as melodic, and not as uh, uh, chorus-driven. It's more... Um, it's a little... It's a little more of a blend of their old sound, so okay. it's kind of more ex- experimental, and not as uh, easily accessible as uh, thresholds. All right then. Um, well, I really enjoyed uh, getting into that with you, mate. Thank you for joining me again, and thanks to everyone listening. Um, this has been Metal Recall. See you next time. Cheers. <laughs>